y'all, this is where Texas politics gets interesting. Here again are two guys named Jason, some great guests, and cold Texas beer for another smart conversation on Yolitics, the unofficial political podcast of Texas. Hey guys, welcome back to Yolitics. Uh, this is the first for past couple of weeks. We're both back together, man. You, you took off like jet setting around the world. And then you took off jet setting around the Two world. Two or three continents. Yeah. Uh, welcome back, dude. Yeah, welcome back to you too. You're the one with the more recent vacation, so I'm I'm kind of envious of you because mine has already been you know slowly erased over the last couple of weeks. What did you bring me back, man? Nothing. I brought you absolutely nothing. I brought you me. Here we are in person again. That's not enough anymore. Did you bring me something? I did. Oh, I did. I did not know that. I did. Wow. Uh, now I feel bad. I didn't see anything in your possession, and so I felt really good about telling you nothing. <laughs> I, I brought you this from my refrigerator today, so I, okay. it's, I, I, this is not from. Uh, it looks like spring break. From, this okay, is, this looks like it is from spring break. Oh it, no, this is Belgian. It, it's Belgian not Belgian with apricots. Yeah, so I know you like fruity beer. Wow. Okay. Uh, I was is, gonna. This sounds. I don't think I've had an apricot one. This is Martin House Brewing Company from Fort Worth, Texas. Um, see how it is. I do taste some apricot notes, as I like to say. Look at this. I was going to give you this one. What is that? Powdered donuts make me go nuts. Jeez, that sounds terrible. <laughs> so for our listener who can't see this, we have a couple tall boys in front of us. Uh, you have an apricot beer from Martin House Brewing Company. Mine, I, I thought it was like uh, Cheerios on here, but now that I look at it closer, it's, donuts. A, it's a bunch of powdered donuts. And the name of this beer is Powdered Donuts Make Me Go Nuts. Uh, donut cake ale brewed with powdered sugar and lactose. Mm, I'll stick to the apricots. I thanks. gave you that one, man. You're welcome. <laughs> Let's see what this yes, tastes like. Actually, thank you very much. And, and welcome back from the trip, by the way. Thanks, man. You too. You, you got delayed and you got to see another city. You know, sometimes, and I always say this, uh, you know, years ago, how is that donut? Woo! You can yeah. taste the sugar. Yeah, that looked like it uh, was hard going down on that first sip. Uh, sometimes, and I always say this years ago, I finally figured out I used to schedule vacations where I would come back and like land an hour before I had to go back to work. And that back to work day, that first back to work day is misery. Like you feel like you're being beaten to death uh, because you're jet lagged, you're tired, you're whatever. Uh, and so I always now build in a buffer day or two to be able to just sort of soft land back into life again. But the good side of that is that sometimes you get delayed in a place or a flight gets canceled or whatever and you go oh what gosh my connecting flight in london you're, you're not gonna be able to make that happen and you're gonna put me up here in london for the night and pay for my food and this and that gosh that's terrible but okay i'll play along so you know we saw the sights in london again because we got stranded in london there's worse places to be stranded that was the point i was about to make there are a lot worse places to be stranded i've been stranded in some of those places but good for you man <laughs> but of course this was no tokyo trip well yeah i mean i it was a christmas I italy christmas gift for the kids to go to tokyo uh they've heard me talk about it for a while since i, I uh i've been over there a couple times but they had a they had a blast went yeah. to um Want to go see a FC Tokyo game? There, yeah, I saw that. The, soccer. Saw the, the Instagram post on that. I think. Yeah, so uh, that was a good time. But uh, yeah, you're right. I built in two days huh. to adjust for the uh, flying over the international dateline. And you didn't get caught anywhere. I didn't. Ah, too bad. 
I'll tell you what, um, vacation has been wearing off quickly, uh, but I am in the back of my mind scheming on a way to somehow semi-permanently move to Italy. So, you know, one day we may be doing these things over Zoom and I'll be living La Dolce Vita, you know. Nice, my friend. Well, you know, when we got back to work, yeah. all kinds of stuff going on here. And, and that, that led to today's podcast. Well, you see this commonality in the headlines constantly. Yeah, and, and, and that's, you know, last week we had two school shootings in two days. We see the legislature and these, these legislative committees really starting to ramp up and, and starting to, to listen to these bills and debate these bills they've been talking about after they filed it. And, and one of the priorities in Austin, you know, we hear about the, the priority for school security. That's certainly a priority that lawmakers have said. Another priority is reducing property taxes, which we've talked about many times on here, one of my biggest pet peeves about this state. And then another priority that Governor Abbott and other state leaders and, and members of both political parties say we've got to do, and that is get a handle on fentanyl and opioids that are coming into this state. Yeah, and it's good to see that that is a bipartisan priority because, you know, there's plenty of priorities in Austin right now that are not bipartisan priorities at all. Uh, it is good to see uh, people from both sides of the aisle getting in on this because, I mean, every day you see another headline, and these aren't from some far-flung places. This is here. It's here. It's on our streets. It's in our schools. It's in our homes. Uh, particularly, you know, you see opioids, you see fentanyl. And, you know, you know, we kind of talked about this before doing this podcast. You kind of glom all that together. It all becomes kind of one thing, and you're not really sure, you know, is that an opioid or what is fentanyl? Or, and so, you know, you start looking into this in research for this podcast, and you go, wow, this is really serious stuff. And it seems like it's reaching this critical mass now. Like we've heard about it for a while, but it seems like we are actually connecting dots now and seeing deaths and major overdoses happening. Yeah, the, the statistics in this state, which you're always good with numbers, Jason, they show these the stats are doubling mm -hmm. every year. Double the deaths. Doubling. Yeah. Which, which is phenomenal. But the, the thing that really got me was the headline uh, over the past couple of weeks about some middle schoolers, mm -hmm. kids in middle school. Overdosing. They, and Overdosing and died in North Texas. This, is, this happened in North Texas. Yeah. Uh, and, and so we thought, you know, we've got to get some people on to talk about, first of all, what's being considered in Austin? What are they going to be able to do about this? Because it's not like the battle hasn't been joined already. The federal government, the state government... Uh, all on, all in on this, trying to, you know, bring this down. But it's a really hard thing to bring down, and we're going to get into why that is and how you and me and everybody else play a part in this. And we were able to get a guy who is, we could say, very busy these days, and, and sadly he's busy. Uh, we're going to get to, you know, the Austin part of this and the lawmaker part of this here in just a few minutes, but we want to get to him first. He is a, an ASAC, Assistant Special Agent in Charge. Uh, Associate Special Agent oh. in Charge. I thought it was assistant as well. You know what? I, 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 I messed that up. He is an associate, take, take two, uh, an associate special agent in charge at the Drug Enforcement Administration, the DEA. This is why I have you here to keep me honest. Uh, his name is Wade Sparks, and we really are thrilled to have him on the line with us here because he has a perspective on this that I don't think a lot of people have maybe paid attention, you know, to be able to hear 
or you know it's just stuff that we haven't heard up to now like this is stuff that you know somebody who's plugged in and seeing this every day and the things that he's seeing are staggering so we're thrilled to have uh, agent sparks uh, on the line with us here Agent Sparks, thanks for joining us for this podcast here. When I hear the term opioids, I, I, I watched a Netflix special not long ago with my wife, and it was eye-opening with, with Michael Keaton. Uh, but but I'm not really sure what it is. I think it's pills. And I, I wonder, is, is it painkillers that people legally get from their pharmacy that a grandchild might take or a kid might take and sell at school? Can you explain what an opioid is and, and how they're ending up all over the place? Sure. So opioids is is a big umbrella of things that we would consider uh, controlled substances. Everything from traditional, you know, back in the opium dens in the 1800s, all the way through uh, to the poppy plant to um, heroin, and then now we start going into prescription painkillers that were made from pharmaceutical companies for legitimate medical use, but then they were diverted from that, and then now we have what we would call fake pills uh, coming from the Mexican drug cartels, which look like pharmaceutical pills, but they actually are not. And all of those things have opioid effects on the body. Uh, Agent Sparks, if you could talk a little bit about that, because, um, it, you know, a lot of times people do not know what they are taking, especially if it's been, let's say, handed to them, given to them. A lot of these come from friends. They come from family members. Uh, and it looks like the real thing. It looks like it might be a, a painkiller that is usually a prescription painkiller, but it is so much more than that. That's right. Um, you know, if, if you're looking at a pill, I would say in 2023 that you yourself didn't go pick up from the pharmacy and it has your doctor's label and you know your doctor prescribed it and it's your name on the bottle. Um, I may be biased because I live in this world every day, but I don't think so. Uh, there is a good chance that is a counterfeit pill, uh, especially if it's replicating a, a painkiller like a, um, a something that we would consider oxycodone or codeine or Adderall or any, any of these other kinds of uh, typically used pill presses that the cartels are using. Uh, they could very likely contain fentanyl, and they could very likely contain a deadly dose of fentanyl, which means six out of the 10 pills that we seize that we send to our lab have enough uh, fentanyl in them to kill the average person, uh, which is just astounding to think. And give us another definition here, too, so I understand this because I'm, I'm a little hard-headed sometimes. What is fentanyl and, and how is fentanyl a part of an opioid, uh, et cetera? Explain that because we hear the governor talking a lot about all these you know, fentanyl pills that are coming across the border that, that DPS officers or troopers rather are seizing. What exactly is fentanyl? Fentanyl is a synthetic opioid. So it's, it's made in a lab where traditionally, you know, heroin, you've got a growing season. You've got to fertilize and water it and all that. Uh, fentanyl, you don't need any of that. I don't have to wait on a growing season. I don't have to get the crops right. I can just have a scientist make it in a lab, and it has the same effects on the brain. It hits the same opioid receptors on the brain, and it has an opioid-like effect. Um, and that, that typically right now, what we are seeing with the pills that have opioids inside them, which specifically is almost always fentanyl, that, that is the synthetic opioid that we see all the time, uh, Mexican cartels are making that usually in Mexico, and they're getting the precursor chemicals to make that coming from China. So precursor chemicals coming to Mexico from China, the Mexican labs, uh, the, the Mexican cartel labs are, are making these pills. They, they stamp the pills so they look exactly like the pills coming from your pharmacy, and you cannot tell the difference. I, I've been doing this my whole life. Our chemists who look at these pills every day, 
They cannot tell the difference until we do the chemical analysis to see what's actually inside of it. And, and like I said, if it's illicit, it's got fentanyl in it, almost, almost guaranteed. Man, that is really troubling when you lay it out like that. And in just a minute, uh, I want you to kind of give us some history here, because I know that you're well versed in the history of how this has developed and become so sophisticated that these cartels are able to do this in a way that looks like the real thing. First, though, and, and, and you know, Whiteley and I have talked about this. You hear so much about opioids. You hear so much about fentanyl. It's hard to keep it all straight. Sometimes your eyes kind of gloss over. Fentanyl is incredibly deadly. I mean, you know, you, you look at the stats on this, uh, it's 50 uh, times stronger than heroin, 100 times stronger than morphine. Think about that. Uh, just an extraordinarily powerful thing. And again, this is, you know, going to a lot of kids, especially uh, who have no idea uh, what they're getting. And I know there at the DEA that you all have seized so many of these pills, uh, but also Customs and Border Patrol, they say in the last two years, they have seized enough fentanyl to represent billions, billions with a B of lethal doses. This is a real problem, and it's just streaming across every day. And I guess one of the things that makes it really hard is, you know, you can fight cartels all day, but this could be coming across on an American in their pocket. It doesn't take quantities of tons. And how do you search every single person? Good point. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, first, the stat that I think is just amazing to me is we, DEA, last year seized enough fentanyl to be able to kill every American. Um, that's not we we think that's what crossed. We that's not what we think they're like. We put that in an evidence bag and submitted it to our lab. That's how much we just are seizing, and we're not naive enough to believe we're getting it all right. Um, and and that's really can, creates a unique challenge when the majority of my career I've gone after your traditional drugs. You know, you've got heroin, cocaine, methamphetamine. I would never have considered those bulky drugs until we started looking at fentanyl. You need two milligrams to, to kill someone with fentanyl. That's, that's nothing. A, a sugar packet would have 500 lethal doses of fentanyl in, it, in a sugar packet. That's how small we're talking about. Um, but th let's first of all understand as well, fentanyl is a, is a, is a approved legitimate medicine that the medical community use in a very controlled, it has a function in America. Like doctors have been using it uh, for, for years. My brother is a doctor and he uses it on a regular basis, but they're using micro doses, <laughs> right? The six out of 10 pills we seize have more than two milligrams, which may sound like a small amount, but that actually, when you consider the hospitals are using micro doses is just an outrageous uh, amount of fentanyl inside of these fake pills. Walk us through kind of the history of this, because you go and speak not just to podcasts like ours, but you also go to schools and, and talk to students and talk to parents and talk to the community members. Fentanyl, it, it sounds like a new issue, but this is traced to opioids and it goes back quite a ways, doesn't it? Sure, for sure. You start looking back. Um, 2010 to 2017, I was stationed in Alpine, Texas, uh, near near Big Bend National Park, and I had never even seen or seized fentanyl in my life uh, through those years. And I remember right towards the end, I was about to get transferred to Washington, D.C., and I remember they got a fentanyl seizure in uh, El Paso. And I remember thinking, huh, that's strange, because we weren't seeing that at all where we were, right? Um how times have changed just since then, right? Now we are 2023 and we are seizing it everywhere. I have guys who I supervise, they're on the street right now 
uh, doing deals, seizing and going after fentanyl. So the, the way I see in my career of, of the way it, we kind of got to this place is you look back and think of this classic story around that time, right? 2015, maybe a little earlier, depending on what part of the country you were in. Um, certainly uh, some parts were affected more than others, but you had, you had the classic story of, of someone who was injured in a car wreck or, or the college or high school football player uh, got hurt on the field and they had a legitimate medical issue that they had to deal with a surgery or something like that. And they were prescribed pain pill, uh, pills, which would be Oxycontin or something uh, of that nature. And they began to take that and they, that also is an opioid effect on the brain as well. It does the same thing. And you may feel like you're just taking a legitimate pain pill, and you are, um, but you are also uh, having that same effect on the brain. Well, when that prescription stops because your doctor says, okay, well, now we're done with this, it's time to, to go on, you're past your healing, you may be addicted to that substance and have an issue with that, and you may need to keep going. Well, if your doctor won't continue to prescribe it, you only have a couple choices. And that's when we started seeing all of a sudden uh, people where we would never in a million years dream that they would the dying of a, a heroin overdose, for example, with a needle in their arm and these kinds of things that we would never have imagined. Well, it's because they were they were originally pres uh, prescribed the pills and what they really wanted was the pills, but they couldn't get the pills anymore. So you had to switch at that time to heroin because that was all that was available. Well, fast forward a couple of years and uh, we started seeing fentanyl being uh, sent to the United States illicitly I mean, Ill illegally. It's usually done, you know, you pay on the black, uh, the black web, the dark web, um, the black market, you would consider cryptocurrency or something like that. And China would actually, our, our other countries, very similar, but China was certainly the main one, would send it. And that would just be through the mail system at that time. And again, we're talking about such a small amount. If you got an ounce and you were just a, a, a person who is using for your own personal uh, uh, benefit, then that could last you a really long time. So it was relatively easy to smuggle. And think about it. If you're a kid and you want to you want to shoot heroin in your room or you want to uh, smoke methamphetamine, how hard is that to hide from your parents? But a pill or just a tiny little gram of fentanyl, much different scenario, right? Much more difficult for parents to do. Well, what do parents, what do people really want still? What they really wanted were those original pain pills. That's what we liked. It was more sterile. It was more clean. We as Americans take pills for everything. We're very comfortable with that world. So the cartels recognized that all of these people who unfortunately were addicted to opioids, what they really wanted was just to go back all the way to those first couple years where we could just pop the pill. It felt better for us. So that's when they begin making the fake pills and they put fentanyl inside of it. They put a stamp on it. They get the same pill press stamp that the pharmaceutical companies are. It's not the same, but it, it's identical for the naked eye. And you're at a party. Oh, I've seen Adderall. Oh, I've seen that blue M30. My friend takes that. My friend gets prescribed that. You put it in your mouth. You have no idea that more than likely your pill came from the CJNG or Sinaloa cartel. And they did not go to uh, school for this. They did not take the same chemistry that the people at the pharmaceutical companies who are making these on a very precise uh, basis make. And you put it in your body and it kills you. And that's it. And so, unfortunately, that's. I'm sorry, I just parked. I mean, to step on you. There's, so, so the cartels are, are getting uh, stuff from China that they are mixing into making these pills with. Give us an idea from your understanding of the, the DEA of how much of a market are the cartels, uh, you know, how much of a market is opioids and fentanyl for the cartels? Are they still trafficking and, and cocaine and marijuana and other things? 
Absolutely. Uh, we, we're seizing, uh, we're still making record methamphetamine uh, seizures on a regular basis, especially here in Texas. Uh, we we uh, have always kind of been more of uh, a stimulant. The methamphetamine's kind of been more what we've seen trafficked here and used here. And, you know, if you go back a decade, the East Coast, you know, that, that East Coast kind of had more of an opioid issue where we here we had more of a methamphetamine. Unfortunately, I would say now we have both. Like it's not like the methamphetamine went away. We are still absolutely seizing methamphetamine on a record basis. Uh, another thing that in the in the Dallas area specifically, that some of my groups are doing, uh, is is cocaine cases again. Cocaine cases are picking back up. Uh, and the other thing that I would I would uh, warn the public to to keep in mind is our lab is finding fentanyl now in all of these other substances. Not every time. It's not 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 necessarily even saying it's on purpose. Sometimes it could just be cross contamination during the manufacturing process. Sometimes it is on purpose. Um, you know, there, there's there's always a question: Well, why would you put an opioid in in the same product as a stimulant? Well, you know, that's not a new thing either. Back back in the day, they would they would put uh, you know crack with heroin or, or these kinds of things. Think of a vodka Red Bull. It is just a different kind of stimulation on the body. And I think there is a market for it. Otherwise, the cartels wouldn't be doing it because so, we are definitely finding fentanyl. In, so read between stuff. the lines there. You know, you may think, well, I don't I don't use fentanyl. That joint you're smoking may have some cross contamination in it. And it may be enough to seriously mess you up. It certainly could be. Yes. Uh, let me ask you this uh, real quickly. How much I, I mean, I've never bought a fentanyl pill, thank goodness, uh, you know, one of these, uh, you know, fakes that's out there. How much does one of that, one of those cost? Are you $20. I mean, it, it, depending on the amount you get, you can go down to, to dollars per pill. It, it's so, that's the other issue is yeah. parents are like, oh, I just won't give my son any allowance. So uh, <laughs> it, it's going to be, that's, you have to think beyond that. You're not going to be able to financially stop someone who wants to get this because it's so, so inaccessible. So cost-wise, really easy to come by for a lot of people. Let's talk about how ubiquitous this is, how common this is uh, out on the streets, because this is something, you know, I don't always share the podcasts that we do necessarily personally with friends and family members and my kids and that sort of thing. This is one of those, though, that I'm going to share with people I am close to because it can happen to anybody and it's everywhere. Uh, let's just go through a couple of the numbers here. Austin, in January, there was one seizure where they picked up 3,000 pills, 3,000 fentanyl pills at a guy's home. In Harris County, the Houston area, deaths involving fentanyl up 340% from 2019 to 2021. In the Dallas-Fort Worth area, in the suburbs, uh, the Carrollton Farmers Branch ISD, uh, 10 overdoses in a matter of a couple of months recently, uh, kids 13 to 17 years old, three of those were fatal. This was being sold to middle school students there. And also in Dallas, usually they respond to six or seven overdoses a day. Uh, one night earlier this week, they had 27 overdoses. Can you please just put it out there for parents? Because we've heard about drugs and the dangers of drugs for so long that I think that we've become desensitized to it. How big of a deal is this? How much should they be worried about this? Should I, as a parent, almost be losing sleep over how easy this is to get? Uh, many of the things that you just talked about, the guys in my uh, guys and, and gals in my group are working on uh, right now. The, I'm getting emails about some of the things you just talked about. We 
we are spending all our energy and focus on on those things because it is that serious. When I was growing up, we had the D.A.R.E. program, right? It was don't drink, don't start smoking, don't please don't start dipping, right? Like as a good kid in West Texas growing up, that's what I was taught, right? Like don't do just that. say no, uh, just say no, yeah. right? Please don't please don't smoke or dip or drink, right? Uh, you know, like just some of the examples I can't speak about because they're ongoing cases, but I wish I could. But I mean, it's 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 seriously concerning that the number one concern right now is please don't take fentanyl. And I know you don't even think you're taking fentanyl, but unless that pill was prescribed to you by a doctor and you need to take, don't put it in your body because I promise you it probably came from Sinaloa or CJNG cartel and they do not have your health in mind. Like it's going to kill you. You only get to be wrong one time and then it's over. Right. Um, so it, it is an incredible situation where we have gone from, the, the majority of our undercover buys, wiretaps, uh, surveillances, the things that we are doing in an enforcement arm uh, are almost uh, usually related to fentanyl or methamphetamine here. And neither one of those are terrible. And like I said, the fentanyl that we're finding, it's it's deadly. If if you're a 16-year-old kid, you know, I, I'm a big guy. I'm, I'm, I, I weigh a lot. It could kill me. Um, depending on your tolerance and your weight, it could easily kill you. Um, this is this is not this is Russian roulette. Hopefully, the the pill you are going to take will have less than two milligrams. But if it has over, uh, it's it's going to kill you. And it's a thing we're dealing with every day. Even in these busts, when you all you know seize this stuff, you got to be extra careful. Even just handling these pills. Yeah, we you know uh, actually because they're in a pill form now, they're relatively consistent. The big fear for us when we're dealing handling with fentanyl, especially in a powder form, is it's going to go airborne and we're going to inhale it, right? Um, so we take extreme precautions. Uh, every one of our groups that are out on the street, they have uh, Narcan with them, which is the, the medicine, if you don't know what that is, is if someone is having an opioid overdose, you can administer Narcan uh, to them. And that literally makes the opioid receptors, opioids fall off the opioid receptors in the brain and you instantly come out of that of that uh, overdose or, or uh, opioid opioid poisoning and and your body responds uh, appropriately. So our guys have that on the street just in case, and not just for us, uh, in case we encounter a, a victim of a, of a poisoning or, or something like that. Uh, you know, all, all your paramedics, EMTs, doctors are going to have that. And that just shows you how much it's it's changed. Again, just in the last decade, uh, our, our stance on this. Agent Sparks, this is, is cheap, it sounds like. It's easy, obviously easy to conceal because it looks like any other pharmaceutical that you might get. Um, but do, do you think this has already penetrated every school, every school district in the state? I, I can't imagine how it hasn't when we're hearing stories like Jason brought up about you know middle schoolers getting past one of these pills. Uh, certainly. I mean, I, I am a parent. I have uh, two kids growing up in Dallas, and they're going to know to not take a pill uh, unless unless their doctor gave and that that really fixes everything. If you can just teach them that. Do, do I think that every kid could potentially have the opportunity to be uh, exposed to this? Yeah, I, I think it's that prevalent. We are finding huge quantities. Uh, now, it's not always destined for Dallas because of our location, things that are getting distributed further on throughout the country or traveling through here. But there is definitely the availability uh, to find that uh, you, you know, I spoke to someone who, who struggled with opioids uh, about six months ago, and the question was asked to him, where do you find it? Oh, just my normal dealer, right? My, my normal weed dealer. I just asked him if he had any pills. And he said, sure. And they hooked him up with the right guy, right? 
Um, that's not to say that every weed dealer is also selling pills, but they might uh, have a, the ability to. And that as a, as a parent, you know, again, going back to like, just be, be vigilant. Uh, another thing I would uh, advise parents on is if you're looking, not first of all, you should be looking at your kid's phone. But if yeah. you are, you're just looking at text messages, that's great. But you get about a C minus. Because if your kids are buying drugs, they're not doing it over text. They're going to be doing it over Instagram chat, Snapchat, uh, all these other different apps. If you're not looking into those apps, if I'm a drug dealer, I'm going to go on Instagram. I'm going to post a 24-hour story that's going to disappear forever. I'm going to put a picture of some pills, a price. Everybody who's following me can see it. It goes away forever. And then you just get hit up by people who want it. And that's how a lot of these pills are being done is through social media. So you have to be vigilant about that. Wow. I, I, I did have to kind of smile there. You didn't want to impugn marijuana dealers saying that they might have, uh, they might have uh, these pills as well, but that's fascinating. That it's, oh, some it's, of them. <laughs> what's that? Some of, them def- some of them definitely do as well. Yeah. It's, it's not uh, all or nothing. That's good advice though. We're all parents in this uh, conversation here. Um, but, but that's where a lot of these kids are finding it. They're, they're seeing an Instagram story and, and the, People probably want to know how they can find out if their kids even being introduced to this stuff. So they should look on what Instagram um, chats, Instagram uh, Messenger, um, I presume Facebook and TikTok and anything like that. For sure. And the the real challenging part is, and this is, you know, I I don't know the best way to handle this, but uh, a lot of these messages are and apps are purposely designed where the message disappears forever. And and not just for parents, uh, as law enforcement, that's a hurdle we are having to overcome. So, uh, you know, if you're going to look at your kid, if your son or daughter knows that you're going to look at their phone every night at 10 o'clock, well, those messages will be long gone by then, right? You have to stay vigilant. Um, look for, I would just look for the effects of, of opioids. You know, are, are, are they, is their energy down? Are they sleepy all the time? Are they having, uh, you know, lack of motivation in, in, in certain things that they used to be motivated in? I mean, these are all things that you should maybe not be an instant indicator, but something where you definitely want to be more vigilant. Uh, I, but yes, the, if, if you, if you are a young person and you're going to buy drugs right now, more than likely you're doing that via social media or some kind of app. And also, you're paying for those drugs via uh, an application. It, you know, the days of handing off the duffel bag, uh, they still exist in some some of our arenas and certainly dealing with the larger amounts. Um, but if you're going to go buy 10 pills, uh, Venmo, Cash App, uh, all these times of the way, look, look at that history of your child's phone. Do they have Cash App? Why do they have Cash App? And who are they sending money to and why? If they're sending $20 to someone, you know, not again, not trying to be a, a fear monger. I, I don't want to overplay this, but this is deadly. One hundred and seven thousand people died last year from drug overdoses. And and uh, this is this is not something that we're taking lightly. Yeah. You know, uh, you were explaining some of the symptoms maybe to look out for with your kids. And, and, and that's if you're one of the lucky parents, because some people, you know, they hit a first dose and they're done. They're, they're gone. They're dead. Uh, and, and you mentioned those stats. Let's bring it home to Texas here. Uh, you know, 2020, uh, 883 people had fentanyl-related overdoses in Texas. Uh, number That was the number of deaths, 883. One year later, it almost doubled to 1,672 here in Texas. And in a lot of cases, there's not even a fentanyl-specific cause uh, at the coroner's office. So the numbers uh, could well be higher than that. Um, this is going straight up 
And for all of those people out there who might gloss over uh, again, you know, it, it can happen. We, we were talking about how, you know, we sort of gloss over when we hear about this stuff sometimes for all those people out there who've heard about the D.A.R.E. program and just say no. And ah, you guys are always, you know, sounding the alarm about the latest thing. Put this in perspective. This is different this time. Absolutely. You, like like you just said, uh, there, there are absolutely the stories of the kid goes to the party, takes a pill. It recognized the pill because their grandmother takes it for pain management. And it wasn't their grandmother's kind of pill at all. It did not come from a pharmaceutical company. And they take the first one. It's got more than two milligrams in it. And based on your tolerance and weight, it absolutely kills them. And they're done. And, and that's it. And unless And the other amazing, scary thing about all those statistics that you just said, that's with Narcan. Do you know how many people come back because of Narcan? Because because our, our our friends over in the in the medical community are getting to these people in time and administering Narcan and Naloxone and, and bringing these people back and and saving them from these poisonings. Uh, I, if that didn't exist, who knows where those numbers would be? And again, it is Texas is not immune to it. Uh, again, we we've always kind of been more of a methamphetamine stimulant uh, culture. I hate to even use that word, but it's just the reality where where opioids was the East Coast, right? This New England area they had really bad a decade ago. It's here. The numbers are skyrocketing here. You just brought up some very specific examples about the school systems and things like that that are happening. And, and we're concerned and we need parents to take this seriously. And we need kids to take this seriously. Like, just think about it. Uh, you, you can't be wrong one time and it's over. Let's hit one more thing about the schools. Uh, you know, if, if you're considering like, OK, well, maybe I will take this more seriously. Maybe I should. Should I? Shouldn't I? Just this past week, uh, Dallas ISD started considering putting Narcan in schools and training people specifically to be able to administer that. This is where this has gotten uh, to the point where the school districts are saying, hey, we may have to save lives on campus. It's being compared to, uh, yeah, I hear the stories of it being compared to like the defibrillator on the wall, right? Um, that that uh, could could be the, the day we're coming to. I, I hope that's not the case. I just tell you this, if my guys are going down on the street to do an undercover operation and they're going to be buying fentanyl in any form, they've got they've got Narcan, they've got someone trained and ready to use it. Um, and that's that's just a contingency that we always have. Uh, so I can only speak for ourselves, but that's what we do. Agent Sparks, my, my last question for you, and then I want to ask an observation at, at the end of this. It's all been uh, eye-opening here. Uh, but but with all the work that you guys do and your undercover agents do as well, too, how much, what percentage of that is fentanyl and opioids? In, in this area, I would say probably a little bit more than half. Uh, I don't have the exact numbers, but just based on the, whenever, whenever someone's going to do an operation, undercover operation, they send me what we call an operational plan. And I would say about more than half maybe 60% of those that cross my desk are going to be related to fentanyl. And almost all of those are in the pill form. Uh, and, and uh, you know, the blue M30s is almost always what we're, we're seeing, although they do, the cartels are now changing up the marketing and they're adding the different colors and things like that. But I would say definitely the majority of the cases. And the other side of that, that we're seeing that we're working is almost all of the other 40%, I would say is vast majority is meth, although we are coming back into seeing a lot of cocaine here as well. Uh, so that's kind of the, the breakdown of, of what we are, the majority of things we're seeing.
as uh, my last thing for you is that as successful as you all have been at pulling a lot of these things off the streets, as, as successful as Customs and Border Patrol, our border enforcement has been at, at getting this off the streets. Uh, we know that a lot still slips through. I mean, it's obvious. I mean, we have all these overdoses. We have all these deaths. It seems like never before that you all need help. It's almost like it's got to come from the bottom up instead of the top down. I mean, it's always been that you all, you know, were, you know, the main ones trying to seize and interdict and, and take care of these things. It almost sounds like this is more of a grassroots thing where it just, it, it takes everybody. I, I'm so glad you brought that up because that's a point I want to make is, you know, what would be really helpful to my job is if Americans didn't want these drugs. <laughs> Certainly not at the left. We have such a desire to bring these drugs in, and it is so profitable for the cartels. Um, if I had the DEA magic wand and could wave it across America and seize every ounce of drugs and fentanyl and put every fentanyl dealer in jail this afternoon, the machine would start up again tonight. Why? Because because law enforcement is failing at their job? Well, that certainly can be the critique. But no, I would argue it's because we want those pills so bad. And like you said, it has to it has to change the culture where we are, where we have made drug use uh, OK and it's and it's and it's fine. It's just the pill. We've got to change our thinking. Get rid of that mentality in your mind of the person who dies from an overdose or drug poisoning as that um, person who's down on their luck, maybe homeless and living in a cardboard box under a bridge and they have a needle in their arm. Those days are gone. It is That is not what someone who dies from a drug poisoning looks like anymore. They look like a college kid who went to a party and they took one pill. That's, that's we've got to change the way we're thinking. And until we do that, I can do the best job I can and we will. And I believe in what I do. Like, I, hey, if you sell fentanyl, we're coming. We want to put you in jail and you need to go to jail. But that can't be all we're doing, right? We've got to have both. There has to be the synergy between the community saying, you know, we don't want this product anymore, as well as law enforcement putting that pressure from the top down on them where it's just not worth it for them to do what they're doing anymore. Agent Sparks, this has been eye-opening. I'm, I'm glad that you were able to, uh, to to deliver this. I hadn't heard as much as you were telling us. And even something to look for, like the cash app on a kid's phone. Mm -hmm. Because it's a good point. Why would why would a kid need a cash app? I, I my kids aren't yet to that age where they have mobile devices, but that's that's good for parents to look at. Not to mention the other you know symptoms, et cetera, that, that you've already mentioned here too. Man, I appreciate you taking a minute. I know that you have uh, teams in the field handling all this stuff, and and we really appreciate your insight here on the podcast. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate the opportunity, Agent Sparks. Thank you. That's a it's a public service to put this stuff out there. Thank you, guys. I appreciate you doing it. Click subscribe and get Yolitics every week. Yolitics, the unofficial political podcast of Texas. So, you know, I had no idea all the things like the Cash App, um, the, the Instagram stories and the TikToks, which disappear after 24 hours. That makes sense. But to find out how kids are, are doing these transactions all digitally, uh, that, that's, that's eye-opening. My kids aren't yet to that age, but th that's really fascinating. I do want to take issue with something you said, though. You told the special agent there... Um, the associate special agent in charge. So the ASAC, the associate special agent, you said that you don't share this podcast with your friends and family. No, what I meant is, no, I, obvious, I, I, of course I share this podcast. I try to get as many people to listen as possible. What I meant is, I don't usually personally say, hey, you need to make sure that you listen to this. Like, this is, 
I mean, I guess I, mean, I, I, guess should. I should. You should. All of them are great, man. What are you talking about? I guess the difference with this one is this is a life and death one. You know what I mean? And and again, you know, I don't know of anybody in my family who is taking opioids or fentanyl, but a lot of times you don't know. Um, and and again, you know, maybe they're not taking it now, but maybe they go to a party uh, two weeks from now, and like the um, associate special agent in charge there just told us, they take their first one and they're they're gone. That's, it's, stunning. that's stunning. We don't get a second that. chance, and that, that's that, that's sad. But to your point as well, that you know, Dallas Independent School District and, and, and many other school districts across North Texas and across Texas are now having Narcan, this, this you know, what, what would you call Narcan? It's, it's, it's an antidote. antidote. Yeah, yeah, an antidote. Uh, they're keeping this on, on, on hand at schools in case they come across this because kids don't get a second chance on it. You know, we started this talking about vacation to other places, and that was one of those things you, you, you get into other places, and drug problems are everywhere. But you, you, you see different cultures in different countries and, you know, you see their problems and, you know, you see the good things about them. And then from far away, sometimes you can get a lens, a good lens of what's going on in the United States and the problems here and the good things here as well. And this is one of those things that if you're looking from far away, you do think, man, this country is hobbled by a serious addiction to drugs and it, it isn't going away. And it really struck me there when Agent Sparks said, you know, is Narcan going to become the defibrillator on the wall in schools and businesses? I mean, that's just, that's a staggering thought about our culture. And the fact that this is so cheap and yeah. easy to conceal. Yeah. If you have weed or a joint, it's probably pretty obvious what that is. If you have cocaine, I'm, I'm thinking it's probably pretty obvious what it is. If you have a, a pill or two and, a, and an old bottle that you got from a pharmacy, it might look like anything a doctor would prescribe. So that, that's, that makes it very easy. For, it, for it, it also makes it easy to smuggle in. Uh, and, you know, think about if you are a cartel and no longer do you have to, you know, make your own submarine or build a tunnel so that you can, you know, dolly through tons and tons of product because that's how much it takes to feed the addiction. Now you're talking about, you know, one of these gallon-sized Ziploc baggies full of pills, and that's going to make you a ton of money, and it's probably going to kill a ton of people. Yeah, uh, exactly. Yeah, they're, they're, they're mixing this stuff in a, a cement mixer in some cases, it, it, you know. You know, getting the contents from China and doing that. Uh, so Dallas ISD is joining a lot of other school districts, putting Narcan on campus as antidote. Uh, but the city of Dallas is also doing something, and you might have already seen this. They're buying billboards. They're, they're putting uh, signs on the side of, of dark buses, and they're doing uh, public service announcements. And these PSAs and these ads they're putting out there are, are pretty provocative. If you haven't seen these yet, they, they are the pre-roll on some you know, YouTube uh, pages you might go to. So Dallas City Hall has created an opioid response task force. Councilman Adam Basildua and Councilwoman Paula Blackman have both gotten together and said, we, we need to come up with a plan. They started this last November. But recently, in the past few weeks, they've started rolling out these ads that you might start seeing here now. And so we wanted to reach out to Councilwoman Paula Blackman. And, and I wanted to ask her, you know, of, of all the things going on at City Hall, why focus on this? And she has some personal stories here on it. 
Councilwoman, thanks for being on the program here. You led the creation of this Dallas task force. It's now revealing this new phase, this outreach campaign. What exactly are we talking about here? Is it ads that, that will be coming out soon from the city of Dallas and other stakeholders? And I guess more importantly, who, who is it aimed at? So what we've decided as a city and what we've seen is that we have a fragmented approach to the fentanyl crisis. We have groups, DEA enforcement doing one thing. We have school districts trying to educate parents and teachers. And I've got a, you know, three boys that I'm having these conversations with that I get information from saying, you know, another one of my friend's friends has passed because of a fentanyl Percocet, or I get a email from a from our DPD that shows um, an address that I'm quite aware of, and it's my son's friend who has been poisoned, and this happened a year ago. And after I started looking into this, I realized we do not have a focused approach of bringing individuals uh, in uh, county, state, school districts together to really look at how are we going to communicate with parents? How are we going to communicate with students? How are we going to communicate with our um, youngsters? Because the just say no approach doesn't work. Well, and let me ask you about that. Yeah, the, the just say no approach has been out for more than 40 years. Right. That, that that has failed. The The war on drugs seems to have failed, too, considering what's going on at, at the at the border. How so do education, you make, education is key on this. Well, we have, how do you make sure you, you get this education in front of the eyeballs who need to see it? So just this afternoon, I was talking to DISD. We're going to bring families together and have a really hard conversation about how to have these hard conversations with our youngsters. We are going to focus on uh, putting up ads. We are going to put it out there everywhere we go, because I do believe that when parents know what outcomes can happen from one pill, they will have these conversations. I trust that. And, and kiddos need to know that, you know, you may be having a test, but don't take that Adderall that you just got from your Snapchat, that that is not the way to get through this. And so I do believe that we can combat this together as a community, helping one another and also getting people, if they are hooked on drugs, the, the, the help that they need, the mental health, the recovery. And this is not a shaming opportunity. This is coming from love and understanding. Councilwoman, you have spent time in Austin testifying on this issue. You, you also support a state plan to map where opioid overdoses are happening uh, across, the, across the state. Why is mapping so important and, and why can't law enforcement do this already? Well, because of HIPAA laws, we cannot just give over data. And so what we are trying to do is ask the state to say, yes, we can do this regarding overdoses, because what we can find out is where communities are having those overdoses, and then we can deploy resources, resources there, whether it through be enforcement, whether it through be recovery, education. So what we can do is look at it at real time and say, hey, you know what, we need to do something over here in this part of the county, and then we can deploy that because time is of the essence. How long will that take? Any idea on the mapping? Uh, right now it passed through the Senate, and uh, so it'll come over to the House, and I think there's a companion bill, so it's just a matter of when the governor can sign it. But 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 if the if, if it gets signed by the governor, which it sounds like it likely will, I mean, will it take 18 months, two years, no, any idea? It's supposed to take effect uh, September 1. 
And, and as far as getting the data, I mean, will, will the data be? We have the data right now. Okay, it's just releasing the data and Correct. putting it all into a, a spreadsheet. Okay, okay, gotcha. Uh, a couple last questions here too. The state Senate passed a bill that would charge drug dealers with murder, the, the people who provide the opioids, the fentanyl, et cetera. Obviously, if police can catch them, uh, it, this is a, a priority, not just in Dallas, but it's a priority for state leaders in Austin as well. What else do you want to see the legislature get accomplished on this issue? I would like for us to have a statewide comprehensive approach to this, because what we're doing in Dallas County, we hope can be replicated. Rep, rep, we hope it can be duplicated in Tarrant County and in Houston and in Bear County and in Austin because communities are getting hit. And so I would love to see a more comprehensive focused approach by our state and also looking at how do we shut down these manufacturers that are making it in their garages in a cement mixer, because that is what's harming our youngsters and our families. Councilwoman, we appreciate the time. Thank you. So keep an eye out for those uh, ads that are out there from the city of Dallas. I would bet. They'll be showing up in other cities too. Exactly. I would bet other cities will be doing this as well. Because all of them are having problems with this. This is not a Dallas area problem. It's not a Texas problem. This is a, a U.S. issue. And it certainly is a big urban problem, but it's also in the rural areas too. Yeah, there, there are a couple of things that if you're wondering what state lawmakers are doing about this, because we started the podcast talking about it is a priority. Uh, state lawmakers have a number of ideas on how they want to address this. Uh, the first is maybe you start using Democrats and say, hey, let's start spending public money to buy Narcan for schools and for state buildings in case it's ever needed to, to save someone's life. Um, the, the governor and others who had been hesitant to that are finally on board with that. So that looks like it, it might pass. It, it's not often that you see a Democratic priority in Austin pick up traction and get support, you know, from exactly. the other side. But this, it, it again, underscores what we're dealing with here. The other, other big idea that, that is getting some traction down there, too, that I think has already made it out of committee is to charge drug dealers, people who sell the opioids, uh, charge them with murder. If someone takes an opioid or takes a fentanyl pill and they die, mm -hmm. and that's that that ramps that up. Now, of course, the big issue is you might create this charge, but you got to find that person. And if you have disappearing transactions on TikTok or on any of these other uh, platforms, it might be challenging to identify that person. Well, Agent Sparks just got done talking about how that does make the you know the evidence trail. It does make it go a little bit cold. It is harder to prove, but it can still be proven. Uh, another interesting wrinkle in that is that, you know, when this is being sold in high schools and middle schools, you know who's selling it? It's high schoolers and middle schoolers, you know? And yeah. so you imagine that, that murder charge, you know? But I mean, I think right now lawmakers and law enforcement and certainly parents too are just, they're scrambling to go, how, what, what do we do to wrap our arms around this? We've got to try something. It's scary as hell, man. I have your your kids uh, are a little older than mine. It doesn't matter though, does it? I mean, you're like, right. Now you got to think about this stuff from elementary all the way up through college and into adulthood. Yeah. You know, from, from now on. So as a parent, it's scary. As you know, just let your friends know about this. And don't take a pill from somebody else. I've never understood that. You know, when somebody goes, "Oh, I have a headache," you know, and somebody else reaches into their purse or their bag and says, "Here, you want to take?" And, and I mean, it's. I don't even. I don't even want you to hand me a Tylenol. Like I don't want a Tylenol out of your bag. But especially if you're opening up like a prescription bottle or just a loose pill, no, I don't want that. Are so, people offering you loose pills out of their pockets? I have been offered loose pills before. Who? My trustworthy people, but... Here? Yeah. No, not here at work. Okay. 
But I mean, just in life, you know, where you go, oh, I've got a headache. Oh, here you want, no, I don't want that. No, so don't take pills from other people. Be safe out there, Wheeler. Hey guys, thanks so much for joining us. We, we appreciate it. Glad to see Wheeler again. And maybe next week he'll have a, a gift for me. Yeah, I'm gonna have to work on that. <laughs> okay, y'all, the conversation doesn't stop here. Find us on Twitter and Instagram. We're at Yolitics.